Well, today's gospel presents us with a very important and a very challenging question. The question I have in mind is not the one that Jesus asks to his disciples. Who do you say that I am? We've got an answer to that question. Our gospel lesson gives it to us. Peter says, you are the Messiah. There is another question in today's gospel for which we are not given an answer, at least not a direct answer. This other question appears in the words that Jesus speaks to Peter when he says, you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And the question is this, how do we avoid that trap? What does it mean to set our minds on divine things rather than on human things, and how exactly do we do that? That's the question I'd like us to think about this morning. One of the points this story makes is that setting our mind on divine things can be a real challenge. Peter thought that he had his mind set on divine things when he said to Jesus, you are the Christ. Peter also thought he had his mind set on divine things when he took Jesus aside to set him straight about what it means to be the Messiah. Right at the moment at which Peter is confident he's got a lock on what it is God is doing, he blows it. He allows his vision of divine things to be obscured by his own very human tendencies. And the warning here for us is that it's easy for us to do the very same thing. Right at the moment at which we're confident we've got a lock on what God is doing in our lives or in the world, we can allow our own priorities, our own fears, our own prejudices to obscure our vision of what's really going on. Now, we're very good at recognizing when other people do this. At least we think we're very good at recognizing when other people do this. But we're not so good at recognizing when we do it ourselves. So the first question this story prompts for us is this. What are the priorities and the fears and the prejudices in our lives that are getting in the way of our being able to set our minds on divine things. Chances are we won't recognize these priorities or these fears or these prejudices. These are not things we look at. These are things we look through. It's very difficult to look at your glasses when you're wearing them. We need God's grace simply to recognize the extent to which we have allowed our own priorities our own fears, and our own prejudices to shape our understanding of God's work in our lives. So that's our first challenge, recognizing just how easy it is for us to allow ourselves to obscure our understanding of what it is that God is doing. And this is something the Bible repeatedly warns us against. It's easy for us to think that we know what the truth is. It's easy for us to think that we know what the good is, what justice is, even what love is. But it's not easy for us to know those things. It's hard work. God has to tell us, and we have to listen. And that takes us to the second point that this story makes, how to set our minds on divine things. Jesus does not tell his disciples that this is something that they have to do, only to then leave it to them to figure out how to do it. He tells them how to do it. He tells them in very explicit concrete terms. In fact, he tells them in terms that are so explicit and so concrete that we probably wish that he would have been just a little less direct 
at this particular point. He calls his disciples and says, if any want to become my followers, if anyone wants to call themselves a disciple of Jesus, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow. Only those who lose their lives for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save them. That's what it means to set our minds on divine things, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow where Jesus leads. Now, I want you to be a little careful here because it's very easy for us to hear something that Jesus is not saying. We hear Jesus talking about self-denial and we hear Jesus talking about the cross and we hear Jesus talking about losing our lives and we think that what he means is that the Christian life is about suffering. Setting your mind on divine things means making yourself as miserable as possible. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Discipleship is all about denial and privation and hardship and the more you embrace those things, the more faithful you are as a follower of Jesus. This is not what Jesus is saying. His call to us to deny ourselves and to take up our cross and to lose our lives is not a call to misery and tribulation. We deny ourselves and we take up our cross for a purpose. We willingly lose our lives only because we have a greater good in mind. And that greater good, that purpose, that reason that we follow Jesus so that we might share in the work that he is doing as he brings about the transformation of the whole creation. We heard Jesus talk about this in our gospel. Then he began to teach his disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected and be killed and after three days rise again. The imperative tone carries all the way through that passage. The Son of Man must undergo suffering. The Son of Man must be rejected by those to whom he is sent. The Son of Man must be killed because the Son of Man must be raised. Resurrection is God's plan and nothing is going to stand in the way of it. Not rejection, not suffering, not hardship, not even death itself. It is new life that is in view here. It is the transformation of the whole creation that Jesus has in mind. It is living in anticipation of the time when the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with all the holy angels with him. The call to deny ourselves and to take up our cross and to lose our lives for the sake of the gospel is really a call to align our lives in a way that not only points to that hope, but actually begins to make that reality present in our lives now. I sometimes wonder if the reason that the first disciples of Jesus had such a hard time understanding what he was talking about whenever he would talk about the cross is because they could not imagine the glory of the resurrection. Their minds were set on human things. And resurrection is very clearly not a human thing. It's a divine thing. So when the disciples heard Jesus talking about the cross, they didn't hear redemption and deliverance and transformation. They only heard suffering and death. So Peter takes him aside and says, Not so, Lord. 
That's not the way it's supposed to be. Let me tell you how things really are. Setting our mind on divine things mean learning to alar- means learning to align the way that we think and the way that we feel and the way that we act in light of the reality of the resurrection. Both the resurrection that has already taken place, the resurrection of Jesus, and the resurrection that has yet to take place. We live between those times. We live between the time of the resurrection of Jesus, which anticipates and look forward to the resurrection of all things. The resurrection of Jesus was the beginning of the end of suffering and death. It was the first fruit of a new and a transformed creation. The resurrection to come will mark the end of suffering and death. It will be the fulfillment of a new creation, the transformation of the whole world. Now that's what it means to set our minds on divine things, to live our lives in light of the life that is to come, to look at each dimension of our lives and to ask ourselves, what would it look like if that part of my life was completely transformed by the grace and the love and the power of God, and then to live in a way that anticipates that transformation, to live in a way that strives to make that hope a reality in the present. And when we do that, then we can deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow wherever Jesus leads because we know that doing so is not an end unto itself, but is rather a means to the greatest possible end that we can imagine. The point of the Christian life is not suffering. Even the point of suffering is not suffering. The point of both is new creation, the transformation of our lives and the transformation of the whole world in light of the reality of what God does when he raises Jesus from the dead. Now, every time we gather for worship, we bear witness to this hope. The celebration of the Eucharist is intended to give us a glimpse of what a transformed world looks like. We take the elements of this world, we bring the elements of our lives, and we offer them to God in the hope that God will bless them and make them vehicles of his grace. Setting our minds on divine things means learning to live Eucharistic lives, learning how to order our lives according to the pattern that we learn here, a pattern of transformation because the Son of Man has been raised to new life, and those who are in him will one day be raised with him. This is where the call to discipleship begins, not with a call to hardship and deprivation, but with the invitation to new life, an invitation to help bring about a new and a transformed world. Now, one of the ways that you can do this is by giving thought to how God is calling you to be involved in the ministries of the church. And we're in the middle of a season during which we're being encouraged to reflect on the gifts that we've been given and the way that we're called to use those gifts. God does not call all of us to serve in the same way, but God does call all of us. The ministries of worship, pastoral care, teaching, outreach to those in need, all of those are intended to bear witness to transformed life to new life, to resurrected life. And two weeks from now, a group will be gathering in this space after this service to provide an opportunity for those who would like to help to support this particular ministry. 
If you have not already had a chance to do so, I would encourage you to be in prayer about where and how God is calling you to serve. If you want to know what God wants you to do with your life, if you want to know how God is calling you to follow him, ask him to grant you a vision of the hope to which you were called. Ask him to grant you a vision of what a resurrected life would look like. Ask him for the grace that will enable you to set your mind on divine things and to align your life to the promise of new life. And then ask him for the grace to respond faithfully to that call and to deny yourself and to take up whatever cross he asks you to carry and to follow wherever he leads you along a road that leads to new life, to the honor and glory of his name. Amen.